Hello, everybody. It has been a week. Today, I am kicking around seven days worth of news with CityCast business contributor Lauren Steffi and producer Farrell Gibbs. It is Friday, March 11th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Lauren, Farrell, how are y'all? Doing great, Lisa. Good, how are you? Oh, I am good. Let's get at it. Lauren, what do you think was the most important story this week? Oh, well, gosh, I don't know. Let's see. Maybe um, maybe energy prices? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from the business world. So what's, what's the background on that? Well, I mean, uh, you might have heard there's this little skirmish going on in the in the Ukraine, and and obviously, anytime you have you know geopolitical upheaval, it affects oil markets. But it's especially concerning in this case because Russia is you know the largest producer of natural gas and the second largest producer of oil, um, and you know that with the their aggression in the Ukraine, uh, a lot of countries, including the United States, have taken steps to impose sanctions and to, you know, uh, either ban the, the out, outright ban the import of, of Russian oil or otherwise curtail purchases. And you've seen a lot of private companies getting in on the action too. So there's just a tremendous amount of upheaval in the world and it all centers on an industry that of course is incredibly important to Houston. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the coming weeks? You know, it's uh, it's hard to say because we don't know what's going to happen on the on the war front. Um, you know, I mean, part of the reason that that markets hate uh, you know things like global conflict is because it injects a lot of uncertainty, and you know, no one knows what what could happen. Um, but I do think that you've seen a pretty united front on on Western countries uh, in terms of addressing this issue. What do we do about Russian oil? What do we do about our dependence on Russian oil? Um, you know, I think you're going to see increasing political focus on how to reduce the impacts of that. Uh, you know, here in the United States, obviously, a big concern is gasoline prices. Um, you know, if you've been to the pump recently, you've seen that prices have gone up quite a bit and they're probably going to keep going up. Um, and at a time when inflation's already at seven and a half percent, that is a, a huge, huge concern. So, uh, I think you'll see potentially some action out of the Federal Reserve over the next couple of months, and, as well as some some action from the administration. I know that Houston's economy isn't all oil all the time anymore, but, oh, this is going to have some kind of an effect. It's going to have a huge effect. And, and um, you know, I think that, that the thing that a lot of people are looking for right now is what are the, what are the U.S. producers going to do? Are we going to start to see companies uh, doing more drilling in places like the Permian Basin, They've been kind of sitting on the sidelines. They've been very reluctant to expand their drilling programs because investors have been burned and they don't want to be, you know, pumping more capital into into oil and gas development. But at these prices, I think that could that could start to change. Um, the other problem that we have to overcome, of course, is that, you know, we've heard about all these supply chain issues and labor issues, and that's affecting the oil industry as well. So even if we wanted to start drilling tomorrow, uh, we just said every company in Houston said, yep, we're going to let's let's go. Let's do it now. Uh, they'd have a hard time finding the people and the equipment to make that happen. Yeah. So my big story for the week is really about an issue that I don't think should be a top priority, but is. You know, it's about the state of Texas, the governor and the attorney general, 
you know, basically declaring war on trans kids. Um, Governor Abbott has given the order that the state child protective agency should consider um, treatment for trans kids, gender affirming treatments as child abuse. And this past week, we have been getting lots of news about, you know, just how much pressure is being applied. Um, you know, the New York Times had a story that shows that the governor was on the phone with the one clinic in Texas, a place in Dallas that specialized in treating trans kids, and basically pressured them to shut down. This past week, Texas Children's Hospital also stopped doing gender-affirming treatment because they said that they were afraid of legal issues for their staff and the families they worked with. And I think this is awful for the families, but I also just don't think this is the biggest issue in Texas, even if you're just looking at child welfare. So I'm appalled. It's, it's a red meat issue. It'll get voters riled up. I just think it's incredibly cynical. I'm with you. I mean, I think it's appalling that you would bring the the power of the government to bear on kids who are already among the most vulnerable in in our population. I just uh, uh, just to just to score political points, it just seems unconscionable. Yeah, Farrell, what is your big story of the week? What have you been watching? Well, I knew it was a big risk to do <laughs> do gas prices, knowing that Lauren was coming on the show. <laughs> but, you know, anecdotally, I saw gas prices go up 60 cents in one week at the station nearest my house. Straight from $3.40, it went right to $4. I didn't really think it was going to go up that much that quickly and that dramatically. I, I have been in the convenience store business. I think it went up more this past week here than I even saw it go up when I was in the business it, during Katrina. So, and and if if I recall correctly from earlier this week, it's all kind of a blur, but I think they went up even before the president announced that we were going to be banning Russian oil. And so now suddenly there's news stories everywhere in my feed on how to save money on gas, taking the mass transit, you know, uh, Mayor Turner encouraging Houstonians to do that. And then, you know, the cheapest days to fill your tank. I think that's a story that just affects all of us here in Houston, the, the ripples of the invasion manifesting here. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and uh, I mean, look, it, 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 as you know, uh, if you were in the convenience store business, I mean, you know, gas prices are, are anticipatory, right? I mean, um, you know, we know that supplies are going to get tighter. And so prices start going up sooner because you should not top off your tank if you don't need to. <laughs> Let me emphasize that. But people do it anyway. And that and that adds to the problems and the frenzy and the, the fear. Um, and, and so I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. I mean, and, and my son made the point that I'm always talking about oil prices and he's like, nobody cares about that. They care about what they're paying at the gas pump. And he, he has a long commute. So that's probably why he <laughs> said that, but, um, you know, just to translate that, I mean, it generally, you can figure that about a $25 a barrel rise in oil prices will translate into a dollar rise at the gas pump. So, I mean, you know, if you go back and look, Oil was, you know, West Texas Intermediate Crude was selling at 60 bucks a barrel, you know, in early December. And now we're up over, um, you know, yesterday was uh, like 116. I think we got up to 126 this week. So, I mean, you know, you can you can see the trend there. Um, and it's, it's not looking like it's going to get a lot better anytime soon. And it's going to show up for consumers in other places too, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, energy prices, you know, gasoline prices in particular are one of the biggest drivers of inflation. We already are at the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. So um, this is not a great situation. And unfortunately, there's really not a lot you can do from a policy standpoint to affect pump prices in, in the short terms. Lauren, what story do you think should have gotten more attention this week? Well, it's okay. I'm going to take you down in the weeds in, in, the, in, the, in energy in energy nerddom. Okay. Oh my but, god, um, I'm bracing. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of talk about about gasoline prices, and especially, you know, inevitably, the networks always focus on California and how high the prices are in California. The thing that kind of gets lost there is what happens in California. One of the things that contributes to the high prices, and aside from taxes and you know local requirements and stuff like that, is that there aren't enough refineries on the West Coast. And you may have noticed there's a fair number of cars out there. So we actually import gasoline from Russia. So this is not oil. This is refined gasoline we import from Russia to the West Coast. And, and in fact, we have increased gasoline exports from Russia by like 21% over the last year. So it's a huge, huge thing. So when they, when they talk about banning Russian oil, it's not really the oil that's the big concern. It's that ban on gasoline is going to have a huge effect in California. And, and there's really nothing we can do about it because we have this sort of strange system in the United States where we, we can't ship oil or gasoline within the country because of this thing called the Jones Act. So we can't take oil from, from or, or, or gasoline from our refineries here in Houston and ship it out to California. It's just not allowed. Um, and so I think that is going to become a huge factor. And it's something that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. But if we if, if there was a way to suspend that restriction, for example, we could actually help to level out some of these price increases and make it less severe on certain parts of the country. So this is one of those boring but important things that Congress just needs to get on? That's what I specialize in, Lisa. <laughs> boring but important. I'm all about that. <laughs> oh. okay. My story is more of a cultural one. Um, Alison Cook, the food critic at the Houston Chronicle, who I just love reading, I think that she is often secretly writing about the city of Houston and not just its food. But she had a piece this week in which she was talking about this one thing that she ate. It's a gumbo Danish at a, you know, hip little bakery in Edo called Cafeteria. And she was talking about how, you know, Houston has for a long time been known for this kind of cultural meltdown of all these different cultures rubbing up against each other and swapping ideas. You know, this is where you get things like Vietnamese crawfish or, you know, the boudin kolaches that I can buy at the Chinese bakery near my house. Um, but she says that all of this like mixing and matching has gone into overdrive since the pandemic, especially in restaurants. And she thinks that it's partly because of Instagram, where anything that's unusual gets a lot of, you know, OMGs. <laughs> and also, she thinks it's just because coming out after the pandemic, it's such a thrill not to be eating your own home cooking and comfort food that we want to feel like we're alive. We want to be amazed. And I think that's just applicable to so much in our lives right now. Farrell, what about you? What do you got? Y'all both have great ones. I mean, <laughs> Lawrence is fascinating. And anyway, that was great. 
Oh, you're going to have something good too, Farrell. Come, well, come mine is, is kind of strange because the most underrated story I chose was, and you covered this earlier this week in the newsletter, was Brittany Griner, the, NW, uh, the WNBA legend who's from oh. Houston. And she was playing in Russia when the war began. And she's currently she's currently detained for having a vape of hashish in her luggage. Okay. And whether or not it was actually hers, we don't know. Well, that's kind of the thing. There's not a lot to know. Uh, there's so much going on in the world right now. It's strange to say it, but you, you almost have to keep your eye out for this story to stay on top of it. This is a good way to put it. New York Magazine had this article. It came out on the 8th, and it was titled, Why Isn't Brittany Griner the Biggest Sports Story in the Country? And that's kind of how I felt. And a blurb from that is, the Russian officials had to release a statement in the first place for us to know what was happening. She's a gold medal winner, a superstar, a champion, and she was arrested in a volatile co country that has suddenly become a pariah. So he said, making equivalences between sports only takes you so far here. But seriously, imagine if Tom Brady were being held ru by Russian officials right now. So it's kind of strange. You know, you have to kind of dig yeah. for that story. I mean, it kind of gets at those inequities in women's sports versus men's, right? I mean, the whole reason that she was playing in Russia to begin with was that she could make, what, four times as much money in the offseason? Yeah, significantly more. That, yeah. that was another really amazing part of that story, actually. And again, you, you kind of had to, to dig for that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this gets, you know, another issue that a lot of Republican politicians in Texas have been excited about are trans kids playing sports, you know, particularly it, women's sports. And if you ask women athletes, that is not on their radar as a big deal. <laughs> right. I mean, this goes back to like Billie Jean King and the battle of the sexes and women's tennis. I mean, you know, you see this again and again and again. Women's sports, is it's always fighting for funding. It's always fighting for money. And and so, yeah, I mean, you know, so now you have to go to Russia to play basketball. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag free Britney. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Lauren, what has been making you happy this week? Oh my gosh. Um well, uh, this is a this is kind of a very personal story, I guess, uh -huh. but um uh you know, you and I, uh longtime journalists, journalism is very near and dear to our heart. Yeah. And uh some people may know that I am a, a graduate of Texas A&M. I was a journalism graduate of Texas A&M, and for the last 20 years there has not been a journalism program. Um, and there is now an effort to to basically create one, uh, and I happen to be uh, on the working group that's involved in that. And uh, I guess what I have enjoyed is that part of what I've been doing this week is reaching out to sort of innovators in journalism and talking to them about, you know, what do we need to prepare uh, young people for the future of journalism? What's it going to look like? What are the skills they need? That kind of thing. And um, it's it's something that's very different from a lot of the things that I do these days, and and so it's been really interesting to me to reconnect with some people and uh, and to kind of get all these ideas. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff out there. So oh, I can't wait to cool. see. So one of the things that's been fascinating me is the fight over the battalion, the student paper. <laughs> see, I, yeah, because I've seen a lot of you those new age my, skills. You ask me for my joy, and, <laughs> and then I go mess it up. Twist it around. You twist it around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like, just to recap, uh, the president of the university said that they were going to shut down the student paper that's been independent and running forever in order to make this journalism department, right? Well, 
Okay, let me yeah. let me try to to thread the needle here, um, and this and this puts me in a difficult spot. So I have to make it clear, I am not I am not speaking on behalf of the university mm-hmm. or the working group or anybody other than myself. But what happened was she actually said that uh, that, that the, she, what she wanted was for the battalion to stop the print publication, not the online version. Um, they print about five thousand copies a week, and this is a campus with you know seventy thousand students, and I think her. Her idea was, you know, look, I mean, most kids are getting their news off their phones or whatever. Why are we still printing papers? Um, I don't think she was trying to shut down the paper or censor anything at the university or take control of the battalion. <laughs> All right. Uh, my moment of joy. And Lauren, you can't come back on me on this. I'm pretty oh, no, sure. No, it's going down. <laughs> yeah. It's going down. You just try it. <laughs> I love seeing red buds in bloom. It's spring. There are these lovely pink flowers that are just the very first thing out that says, here we are. It's another year. The world is still alive. Get yourself a clear. Come at me. Come at me. I got nothing. I got nothing. I mean, you know, your your moment of joy is, ah, spring. Who can find fault with that? That's not fair. I think Farrell just did. I didn't know Farrell had meanness in him. <laughs> I'm doing it for the sake of of, of some humor. No, right. no uh, yeah, yeah. He stole he stole one of mine, and now you stole another. My my moment of joy <laughs> is is the weather. And I thought of you we actually, take, not not uh, just because I like good weather, but you talk about how Houston has the greatest weather in the whole world uh, during this time of year. But um, you know, if it's a slow news day, you know that I certainly like doing the weather because the weather is so crazy around here. But according to our friends at Space City Weather, if we can get through this cold front today and endure a windy weekend, uh, Sunday, all week next week, it's going to be dry. It's going to be sunshiny. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, highs in the 70s, lows in the 50s. It's that kind of weather that I've heard you talk about so much. <sighs> all right. Thanks, y'all. This has been really fun. Yeah, it's been <laughs> fun. Thank you. Thank you. That is it for today. Our producers are Dina Kesba, Farrell Gibbs, and roving producer Carly Jones. Our theme music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band All the Kimonos. I am going to be on vacation next week, but there will still be shows because we've recorded some and our team's still working, so they will be back. See you then. There's a pair of flip-flops and a pair of, like, ski gloves, like, right next to each other. And I thought, that's Texas winter, you know, because sometimes you need those in the same day. That's a perfect image. Yep.